God to hear the word of God. We thank you for our helper and our teacher, which is the Holy Spirit on tonight. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of you. We thank you that the eyes of our understanding is being enlightened tonight. And we thank you, Father God, as our eyes are being enlightened, God, that we will know what is the hope of our calling and what of your calling and what are the riches of your glory, of your inheritance in the saints. And we thank you, Father God, that we as the body of Christ get to know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of your love. God, so we'll be able to operate, God, according to the way that you operate, the way your son operate, God, because we acknowledge, we experience your love, God, in Jesus' name. And as we experience your love, God, we will be able to love others and the gifts that you have given us, God, will be operative, God, as the spirit wills. So we just thank you and we just praise you on tonight, God, that we are not only hearers, but we're doers of the word. And we thank you that we have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us on tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go over what we have went over so far. I pray that as we go over these teachings, it will help all of us to know about the spiritual gifts and to help us understand that it's not a competition in the body of Christ. And God has given all of us a gift. And as he has given us that gift and we get to know the gift that he has given us, then we can operate in the body of Christ the way that Christ operate because we are part of one body and every joint supplies. So it's not about competition. It's not about who um, can do more, who can do less. When everybody do what they need to do, it will get done. Amen. So we talked about what are spiritual gifts. Um, special God-empowered abilities that God gives to each follower of Jesus Christ in order to equip them to serve him. So we know that these um, special God-empowered abilities is what he give us, and he gives us that um, to empower us, to allow us to serve him to operate in the body of Christ the way he will have us to operate. What we have to know is, first of all, it's not about us, and that's what I've been teaching um, the last time we were together. First um, Peter 4.10 says, as every man has received a gift, that means that it's past tense. So that means as every man have received the gift, so he knew that they had already received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So this is what Peter was saying, that we have already received the gifts. And as we have received the gift, then we have these gifts not for us, but to serve one another. So that's what we have to remember. It's not about us. The gift that you have is, is not about you. It's, it's to help the body of Christ to get done what God will have to be done in the body. It's not about us trying to do something on our own to make us to be seen, hear me, see me, be attached to me. It's all about him. So that's what First Peter 4.10 is saying. We cannot make it about us. It's all about him. These gifts are to serve one another. Everybody in the body of Christ has a gift where we can help each other to fulfill what we need to fulfill while we're here on this earth, making up one body, which is Jesus. So being that we have these gifts, we want to be faithful over what God has given us. Some people want more gifts. They want more than one. But if you ain't faithful over what God has given you, he's not going to entrust you with anything else. We talked about the talents and um, Luke 16, and it's also in Matthew 25, where talents was given. One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. And out of each one of those, the one that had five, they obtained five more. The one that had two, they obtained more. The one that had one hid that one. So when God give you a gift, he give you that gift according to your ability. God is not going to give you more than what he know that you need at that time. And whatever God give us to do, we have to do it unto him and not unto man because it is not about us. It's all about him. When we recognize it's all about him, 
we will die to ourselves. We're not out here trying to be seen to say, look at me. No, he's supposed to be glorified through you. God gets the glory. And we determined that in um, 1 Corinthians 4, I mean 1031, we um, determined that everything we do should be for the glory of God. He should be glorified, not us. Anytime that you are glorifying yourself, or want people to glorify you because of what you think you have done, then you are not in the spirit, you are in the flesh. Because when God gives you that gift, like we said, it's to serve one another. It is not for us to look at it as if, this. look at me, this is what I can do. No, it's the ability that God has given you in order to do what he um, has allowed you to do. Now, tonight what I want to talk about I did go over in Exodus. I want to bring that back up. In Exodus 36, we talked about the tabernacle and how God anointed um, men to build the items in the tabernacle. His spirit had to come upon them in order for them to be um, workmen in that tabernacle to do things according to the way that God um, wanted it done. And I want to say this, like I said last time, in the body of Christ, We should have people in the body that whatever the body need, it should be in the body of Christ. Because when we have to go outside of the body of Christ to get things done, then there's not going to be that unity which is in the body of Christ. Because that's how isms and schisms come in the body of Christ. When you're trying to connect with somebody that's not a part of the body of Christ to get something done, then we're going to have some stuff that is not going to be done the way he wanted done. So when we keep things in the body of Christ, I give you an example. We could have carpenters in here. We can have bankers. We can have lawyers. We can have doctors. We can have all types of people in the body of Christ. And when God placed them in that body, he places them in that body for a reason because he know that we're going to need that part in that body. And we have to become effectual in order to carry out what God wants us um, to do. So what I want to talk about tonight, I'm going back to Romans 12, and I want to start there, 12.1. And when we look at Romans 12.1 through verse 5, I'm going to read King James, and then I might read in the Amplified. Before we can do anything that God has given us to do, we need to make sure that we're doing things the way God would have them to be done. And the only way we can do it is according to his word, according to his way of doing things. So when Paul was talking to the Romans, this is what he said. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So this is what Paul was saying. He said, I urge you, therefore, brethren. He was talking about Christians in in this, by the mercies of God. So Paul was coming in and he was talking to them. He said, I'm urging you, I'm pleading with you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by what God has done for us through his favor, through, you know, his mercy. This is how I'm coming to you. So this is how we have to see ourselves. If it was not for his mercy, if it was not for what he has done, we would not be doing what we do. This is how you get over you. The only way you can get over you is to say, if it wasn't for him choosing me, then I wouldn't be chosen because of where I was before I, well, he chose us even before the foundations of the world. But we had to accept what Jesus done in order to get what God has already provided. So when we meditate on his mercy, on what he has done, it will take us out of the equation. So Paul was reminding them. He said, I urge you, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. So he's coming in reminding them of God's mercy. He put that out there first. When you're reminded of God's mercy, guess what's going to happen? He said that ye present your bodies. Present means to offer up your body. How can I offer up my body? When I think about his mercy, when I think about his goodness and all that he's done for me, I can present, I can offer up my body as a living sacrifice. Outside of me thinking about me, 
If I'm thinking about me, I'm not going to offer up my body as a living sacrifice. Because remember, when they got to the door, to that gate, they had to bring a sacrifice without spot or blemish. That sacrifice had to be perfect. So this is why Paul is using this. He said, you got to offer up your body because they had to bring the sacrifice to that gate. And they knew the sacrifice that they were bringing was without spot what was without blemish. They was not giving anything to God. So Paul said, I beseech you, brethren. He said, I urge you that by the mercies of God. See, I got to stop right there. Again, mercy. When you know his mercy, when you know how he loved you outside of what you did, you ain't going to have a problem offering up your body. Why? Because God, I remember when I was a nobody. I remember when I was out there cutting the food, doing all kind of ungodly stuff. God, you was having mercy on me. You love me outside of me. So I don't have a problem of offering myself or presenting myself to you as a living sacrifice. Holy. They go to the next part. I can offer myself this way as a set apart one because of your mercy because of what you've done for me god i can be set apart i can present my body as being set apart this is what paul was saying he said so i beseech you brethren i urge you by the mercies of god that you present who got to do it you got to do it and it's not hard to do when you know what he done when you know what he done, it's not hard for you to present your body, to offer up your body unto him as a living sacrifice. That means, y'all remember that song that say, I give myself away so you can use me? So see, that's what we have to do. We have to leave out what we want or how we feel or what's going on around us and say, God, here am I. Use me, God, to do what you want me to do. I remember my grandfather would always say, he said, I'm not God. I'm just an instrument that God used. And I'm going to be that instrument for him. It ain't about me no more. It ain't about how I feel. And when he would always say this, I got to, to see it in operation because he would say it. But when you get to experience what somebody is saying by being there, it makes it more real. When you come to a place in God, God will bring that picture back to you and say, this is how you present yourself. When um, I was young and I was sitting to the table and as I was sitting to the table, I told you before, they brought this young girl in. And this young girl, they were toting her into the house and her hands was, um, she was crippled. And she couldn't even scratch out her fingers. And they said, well, where's Reverend Walker? And Granetti said, I'm back here. So he was over there in the living room. And they went through the den and went round. And as they put her right there beside Granddaddy, he said, first of all, I want you to know, I am not God. He said, I'm an instrument that God used. He said, but if you will believe the word of God on this day, he said, you're going to leave out of here walking. And Granetti began to quote the scriptures and bring the scriptures of healing unto this young girl. And I'm not going to lie to y'all. I turned around. The girl was walking out the house and I left out running because I experienced what he said. But what he had to do, first of all, was to deny himself. He made sure to let that young girl know, don't come in here thinking I'm God. Don't come in here thinking that I'm going to be the, oh, y'all, I'm telling the spirit of the living God. Don't come in here thinking that I'm going to be the one to do it. I want you to come in here to know that there is a God that works through me that's going to manifest himself, and you're going to leave out of here whole. And then she grabbed hold of what he said, but guess why the power began to operate? Because Granada said, it ain't about me. It's all about him. I don't get the glory for this. He's going to get all the glory, but his glory is going to manifest itself through me because I'm recognizing it is him and not me. So this is why God is saying tonight, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Acceptable means well-pleasing unto God. 
That means well-pleasing for the service of God. See, you can't even flow in what God has given you until you're willing to give up you. And I'm going to tell you right now in the midst of this room, some of us have not given up ourselves yet. Because when you totally give up yourself, giving up yourself is saying, God, I feel this way. But this is what you say. God, it looked this way. But this is what you say. God, this is what they say. But this is what you said. So I'm presenting my body as set apart, holy. I'm offering it to you today to be used for your service. So that's why the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. This is your act of worship. And if we cannot do verse 1, guess what? I'm going to tell you what helped us to do verse 1, verse 2. He's telling you this is what you have to do. You have to set yourself aside, set yourself apart, letting them know this is who I'm with. And it doesn't have to be something that you drum up. It's something that you live because that's who you really been with all the time. Some people try to act like that on Sunday and live any kind of way on Monday. But every day of your life when you're with him, people are going to know you've been with him. Because when you walk in the room, you're bringing peace in the room because he's peace. When you walk in the room, you're bringing joy in the room because he's joy. When you walk in the room, you're bringing love in the room because he's love. When you walk in the room, you're bringing meekness. You're bringing faithfulness. You're bringing all the fruit of the spirit. And as you're manifesting the fruit of the spirit, all of a sudden, the gifts of the spirit begin to operate. Why? Because you're presenting yourself unto God as a living sacrifice. And that's not hard to do when you know who you belong to. You don't belong to you no more. You don't belong to your husband, your wife, your children, your pastor. You belong to him. And when you know that you belong to him outside of him, there is nothing. And that's what he wants us to see. He said, if you can focus on me, he said, that's how you have perfect peace. When your focus is so much on me and say, God, I know what I see. I know what I hear. God, I know how I feel, but here I am, here am I. And then that second verse say, be not conformed to this world. Why am I not conformed to this world? Because I'm not patterning my life after what the world does. My life is not adapted to what the world does. Why? Because I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto him because I know what he done for me. So that's when the transit said, um, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. I'm being transformed. How am I being transformed? Changed by the renewing of my mind. That's why I'm presenting myself, my body unto him as a living sacrifice because my mind is being transformed. It's being changed. Now I can prove, now I can know what the good and acceptable will of God is for my life. See, when you meditate on those two verses and when you bring them together, guess what? You presenting your body to God. You saying, God, outside of you, there is nothing. So this is why before I can even get into the gifts, or or let you know about the motivative um, gifts that we're going to talk about, you have to let go of you because these gifts that God has in you will not operate until you fully say, God, it's no longer I that live, but it's you that lives on the inside of me. So God, I want to function the way you want me to function. I want to live the way you want me to live. I don't want people to see me. I want them to see you. Because you shouldn't have to walk up to people and say, hey, I'm saved. Don't you see? Hey, I'm saved. I'm born again. Don't you know I'm a Christian? That's why sometimes in marriages, husbands will say, I thought you were a Christian. That devil bringing out of you what was already there. That's all. But when you are presenting yourself unto God, 
as a living sacrifice. You ain't worrying about what nobody said because you know who you are. When you know who you are, you don't have to try to fight for who you know who you are. The victory has already been won in him. So you say, you call me whatever you want. I know who I am, so it don't make no difference. I know who I am, and I know who I belong to, and I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You call me Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. You can stand boldly with the word, and you don't hold no offense with what you said. So this is why you have to present your body as nobody can do it for you, but you do it through the word of God. And guess what verse three says? Verse three says, for I say through the grace given unto me. Now look at this. Here he is using mercy. Now he's saying, I'm saying this through the grace that has been given unto me. Paul is recognizing what has been given unto him. So what is Paul leaving out? Paul himself see he's mentioning that i'm saying through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you that he's talking about all of us in this room not to think of himself that mean man male female more highly than he ought to think we got some people in the body of christ thinking they're better than anybody else thinking that they know more they can do more you know i'm better than you i don't do what you do Oh, no, God can't operate through you the way he need to operate through you because you stuck on you. That's pride. That is pride. So this is what Paul is saying. He said, I'm saying this through the grace that has been given unto me for you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He said, um, but to think soberly according as God have dealt to every man the measure of faith. So everybody in here that's born again believers, all of us have the same measure of faith. God has given us the same fruit of the spirit. He has given us the same gifts of the spirit and the gifts operate as the spirit wills. So everything we have, nobody didn't get more. Nobody didn't get less. But the people that are operating more in the gifts, they recognize who they are and they recognize what they have and they have faith in what they have. So that's how they operate. When you know who you are in Christ, I'll say this. If you were a cashier and you know you were a cashier and you operated that cash register with respect, with honor, and you knew that you were doing what you're supposed to be doing, nobody could not tell you you wasn't no cashier. You can go in there and you know when something messes up, you know how to fix it. When something's out of place, you know it's supposed to be in place. Why? Because you believe who you are. And the more you believe who you are, the more effective you become in who you are. Like Kim. Kim know that she's a beautician. Rico know that she's a beautician. They may operate in different, um, how, how can I put it, styles. They may do things differently, but both of them have license, right? And you had to get those licenses the same way, right? Wasn't it the same thing both of you had to go through, right? So the thing is, Kim can't think of herself more highly than Rico. Rico can't think of herself more highly than Kim because both of them are beautician. They just do things in different ways. And if Kim knows it's a style that Rico specializes in, she's going to say, you know what? I got somebody that can do that style for you. Or if Rico knows the style Kim specializes in, she said, I got somebody that can do that style for you. Every joint supplies. Both on beauticians, but they do things differently. But as they come together, come on, people are being helped. Is that not right? Or suppose Kim say, I'm going to keep this head. This right here is a $100 head. I'm going to do this head myself and get this $100. We going to get this $100. So when Kim finished doing that head, she heard the Holy Spirit say, roll it over, Kim. I ain't rolling nothing over today. I'm using it for an example. So Kim worked that head. And while she working that head, and I'm, I'm doing this, and Kim know what I'm talking about. And she hit that, that lighter, and it began to blow up. And Miss Mary hollering, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Kim shouldn't have messed with that head. I'm just using that for an example. But this is what happens in the body of Christ. When the Spirit is telling you, that's not your lane. You need to get out of that lane. You're going to get run over. 
See, that's why you got to know what God has given you to do and stay in that lane. Because as you do it God's way, God begin to manifest himself through you. And people will be like, wow, you did that so gracefully. That wasn't hard for you at all. Why? Because that's what God anointed you to do. So we have to stay in our lane. So when we look, he said that we, everybody have the same measure of faith. So we shouldn't be, you know, so prideful to think we're better than anybody else. Just like we got deacons in the house. Suppose um, Brother Willie thought, oh, I don't need you no more, Brother Tyson. I don't need you no more, um, Deacon Rick. I don't need y'all no more. I can, I can carry this joint right by myself. Every joint supply. And then while we waiting on stuff, Willie lagging behind. Because Willie thought he can do it all by himself. He didn't need no, y'all know I'm using examples. He felt like he didn't need no help. So my husband is wondering, Willie, what, what, what's going on over here? I get to it after a while. Willie tired. Because <laughs> he's trying to do it all himself, but he got help. Ain't that what we do? Because sometimes we want people to see us. And we don't want them to see nobody else. We want people to think it's all about us. But God give everybody an ability in the body of Christ to make up that one body, which is Christ. Y'all, this is so awesome. Think about it. One body, which is Christ. But it takes several people. Now, you know Christ is something else. Christ is something, ain't it? Take all of us. The whole world to make up the one body. Can y'all imagine? Shirley, can you imagine one man and millions of people got to make up that one man? Ain't that some power? But people think they can do it all by themselves and they can't. Christ said, in order for me to be in the midst of you, I need all of you. Wow. But we think it's just a little old me. I can do this all by myself. You know how we get mad and say, if it wasn't for me, it would never get done. I don't need your help. <laughs> Y'all know this is funny. You know how you can fuss at your husband? I don't need your help, your lazy self. Go in the room and try to zip up some pants and know you can't wear. First thing you do, hey, come here. Help me zip up these pants. No, you don't need me. Come in here now, please. Y'all know what we do. We say we don't need people, but guess what? We find need of them when they're not there, don't we? Or women got to zip. Oh, better yet. <laughs> women, you got to put on that girdle to hold everything in. You need a man to help you pull it up, don't you? Because you can't get it just right. So we all need help in some areas. So this is what I'm saying. In the body of Christ, it takes more than one person for that one body. So some people are so prideful, they're thinking, I don't need nobody. I'll do it by myself. We need each other. Amen. So those first three verses is verses that we have to connect to before we can fully operate in the gift that God has gave, given us in the body of Christ. You got to let go of you. You got to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. The more you renew your mind, according to the word of God, you can do what God has called you to do. You will enjoy what God has called you to do. We got to quit looking at big gifts and little gifts. It ain't about that. Because we're here to serve him the way he would have us to do it, not the way we think it need to be done. Some people go, I'll tell you this. When it comes to God, I don't like mess. Lord knows I don't. It just, it just do something to me. Because I said everything for him is supposed to be done in a way that people know that's him. Ain't no halfway, ain't no get by, ain't none of that. People supposed to know that it was not us. It was him. It was in him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. So when they see it, they see him. We don't supposed to see us. They supposed to see him. And that's how it's supposed to be done. So if you get those first three verses, get you out the way. Make your body a living sacrifice by going into the word of God, knowing who you are now that you're in him. We wouldn't have all of this mess in the body of Christ. But the reason why we have it, because we got some renewing their mind and we got some that ain't. 
We got some that's willing to make their body a living sacrifice and some that ain't. And that's when you have mix up in the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you something. You can have be amongst um, mixed breeds. You know how when they come out of Egypt and they bought those um, mixed breeds with them. I call them mixed breeds. They bought those people with them that were not a part of them. They had trouble. Because they start telling them, you know, how it was in Egypt, reminding them of what they had. And then they start mumbling and complaining. And guess what? They were at a standstill because they started complaining to Moses. If I was in Egypt, this is what I had in Egypt. I'm tired of eating this right here. Because they brought people amongst them that were not in covenant with them. What am I saying in the body of Christ? It's the same as if I got this side renewing their mind and this side ain't renewing their mind. So when we come together and do something, this side right here is being stagnated because of that side. Because that side want to do it natural. That side is doing it according to God. This is why the church is tore up. Because everybody ain't hearing God. Everybody mindset ain't where it need to be when it comes to the things of God because somebody will say this. If you got two people working together, those two people that's working together are supposed to have the same teaching, coming through the word of God, serving the same God. So if they got the same teaching, you know, baptism of the Holy Ghost, studying to show their self-approved, you know, coming to Bible study, coming to church on one accord. When things are happening in the house of God, there ain't going to be no problem. We're going to get it done. But if you got one that show up when they want to show up but want to be a part of something, they're going to take that other person and bring them down because they're going to say, no, we need to do it this way. But no, this is the way that it should be done. No, you need to try it this way and to be better this way. So when that person go with that person, guess what? It ain't the way God wanted it done. So when I step in the midst of it, I'm like, who told you that? Well, they said it would be better this way. But is that what you were told to do? That's why we have problems in the body of Christ. That's why verses 1 through verse 3 need to be applied to your life. So that way all of us can be on one accord. And then after that verse 3, this is what it says in verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, meaning the same function. Can you imagine if all of us in this room, I'm going to use one of the seven uh, motivational gifts I'm going to go over. All of us were servers in this room, had nothing else. We'd be tore up from the floor. We'd be bumping into people. People would think we had nervous energy. Because everybody wanted to do serve, 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 but nothing else was getting done. We'd be in a hot mess. This is why God set many members in the body of Christ with different functions. That means that if Jennifer right here, Jennifer Simpson is a server, and let's say Renee over here is a giver, When you have a server and a giver working together, we're going to get something, aren't we? We're going to have something because she's the one that's giving. She's the one that's serving. Nobody ain't missing nothing because you got a giver and you got a server. But let's say Renee is a giver. She's a server using it for an example. Renee said, I don't want to be no giver. I'm going to keep my money. I want to be a server. I want to do what she's doing. So Renee going to try to help her serve. And she's spilling stuff everywhere giving people wrong stuff, trying to do stuff. She ain't got no business. And then we, we, we looking for more stuff because she got the giving gift. And Renee say, Jennifer, Jennifer, they need some more tea. We ain't got no money getting no tea, girl. What we going to do about the tea? <laughs> Renee, didn't you supposed to get tea? No, girl, I supposed to serve. I don't, supposed, I don't know nothing about no tea. We, we, they won't get no tea today if I got to pay for it. I'm on a fixed income. Now, Jennifer, what are we going to do, girl? We got to serve these people. Is that what happened in the body of Christ? She got a gift, but she's letting it lay dormant because she don't want to do it. She don't want to do it. So this is what happens in the body of Christ. Every member, it says, for we have many members, y'all, many. Y'all get it? Many members in one body. 
Oh, Jesus is that one body. Many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. I want y'all to get that verse. Everybody don't have the same office, the same function. This is why we butt heads when somebody is trying to function out of what God has given you. Because you in somebody else's business and don't supposed to be in their business and think you're supposed to be doing something you don't supposed to. Take a seat. Y'all remember that song, Come On In? What is it? Yeah, that's what we, come on in, take a seat. What's the other part? Okay, y'all got it. Verse 5 says, so we being many are one body in Christ. Y'all, he's saying it again. For we being many are one body in Christ and every one member one of another. So we're here, we dependent on each other. But we're many members, but one body. We're making up that one body, which is Christ. And everybody have a function in the body of Christ. You may not do the same thing because you have a different function. And that's what I want you to understand tonight. Why are we off in the body of Christ? Because you ain't went through verse 1, 2, and 3. When you stay before the Lord and quit worrying about what everybody else is doing, and stay in the word of God and hear what God is saying to you, you will be functioning in what you're supposed to be doing and you will be enjoying it and getting the joy out of it and not worrying about why this one doing this and why that one doing that and why I ain't doing nothing. Because you all up in everybody else's business. So this is why we have to stay before him. And when you stay before him, y'all, it ain't hard to know what you're supposed to be doing because you're doing it. Because you're living it and because it has become a part of you. So when you get those first three verses and you go down to all of us, a part of the body of Christ, there are many members but one body and we have different functions. All of us don't have the same functions. You would know, you would say, wait a minute, God, what part do I function in? God ain't going to leave you out there like that. And that's why we're doing this teaching so everybody can stay in their lane. And we can quit bumping heads and getting mad at folk because sometimes people just don't know. They don't. So let's look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing, differing according to the grace that is given to us. So understand this. The gifts that we have comes through grace. That means that it's because of God's grace you have what you have. It ain't for none of us to try to do stuff outside of what God has already given us. That grace is this unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor that he has placed on every last one of us. We don't deserve to do what we do. But because of God's grace, that's why we're doing it. So get out of the mold thinking, I deserve this. You didn't deserve nothing. God gave it to you because of his love, his unconditional love. God loved you so much, y'all, that God knew what we needed even before we knew what we needed. God was seeing us even before we were seen. God already had a plan for us even before there were a plan that was made. So who would not want to serve a God like that to say, God, you know me better than anybody know me. And God, whatever my hands find to do, I'm going to do it unto the glory of God because it's not about me. Wherever you want to put me, God, that's where I would be because God, you know my heart. So he, he started off here with the gift of prophecy. He said, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. Why did he say according to the proportion of our faith? Because when you're prophesying, and I'm going to go over that, you're doing it according to what you believe. See, you're doing it according to what you believe. If you don't have faith, and what God has called you to do, you ain't going to be able to walk in it the way you need to walk in it. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a flow. When, when God gives you something, you have a surety of what God has given you. You ain't thinking about it. You just do it. You don't think about it. You just do it. And you don't try to make nothing happen either. Because when it's so much a part of you, you walk in it. So the one that I want to talk about first is this prophecy to let you know what it is. This is one of the motivational gifts. And let me tell you, first of all, what a motiva motivational gift is. 
These are the gifts that God has built into us. These are the gifts that God has built into us, made a part of us, to be used for the benefit of others and for his glory. These are the gifts that God has built into us, made a part of us, to be used for the benefit of others and for his glory. What do I mean by built into us, made a part of us? Before you were even thought about, God gave you this. And I'll give you an example. When I was young, growing up, I always wanted to teach people. I just had, I was just motivated. That's what it's called, motivational gifts. I was motivated to teach people. And as I grew even older, I just loved taking my little cousins, getting the sheets from the teachers. And, y'all, this is funny. Pam's sitting up there shaking her head. This is funny, but when I would be in the classroom with the teacher, I don't know if y'all remember elementary school and how the teacher would have the chalk and the board and the the paper that they have. It had such a different smell. Did y'all ever smell the papers that they would pass out? See, that was my motivation to give. Everything had something that just drew me to that what I didn't know that God had placed in me. Long story short, I would take them in there. I would teach them. And the ones that was failing, they began to apply themselves through me helping them out and teaching them. So as I grew older, I always saw myself in the business field, willing to help somebody. And that's where I ended up being a director, and I had to teach them. And some of my teachings that I would have would give them examples of um, cooking rice and how you start cooking the rice, and this is how you do things. So that's where God started me from. But then another gift that I had, and I didn't know I had it, y'all, I was like this. I called an ace, ace, and I called a spade, spade, and I wouldn't change my mind. It was just, if I saw it, I said it. That's just how I was. If I saw it, some of y'all thought I was quiet. But when I wanted to open my mouth, I would open my mouth. I would just say just what I felt. And this is what my daddy always told me. Daddy said, your problem is you always trying to be somebody mama. Because I will always say, that ain't right. My sister would say, shut up, Manda. I said, that ain't right. And you know it ain't right. Pam know me. Yeah, Pam know me real good. That ain't right. That is not right. And people would get mad at me because they say, you always got something to say. I said, well, it ain't right. So I'm going to tell you why I was like I was because that, those gifts, God had them already in me. But I didn't know what I had. So the gift that I'm, I'm giving you tonight, some of y'all, when y'all was growing up, had these gifts already there. Um, dealing with serving. When I was little, I always loved serving others. I always would make sure that everybody was served, and I grew up that way with my grandfather, and I would always serve others. I would always want it to give to people. Didn't understand. I would give, 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 give. So I had these gifts in me but never knew um, what I had. That was just a part of me. And some of y'all in this room had these same, same gifts. I always wanted to help people. You know, I always felt sorry for people. I don't care what they done. I would call the ace, ace, and the spade, spade. But I had a sorrow in my heart for these people. You know, yeah, they like that, but, you know, they don't have to be like that. So the gift I'm going to share with you tonight is um, prophecy, but it's also called a perceiver. Prophecy is also called a perceiver. And this is what this gift is about. Quickly and accurately identifies good and evil and hates evil. This person that carries this gift, they can identify quickly good and evil but hates evil. The perceiver views people or situations as either in the will of God or out of the will of God. There is no such thing as sort of in the will of God or partly in the will of God when it comes to, I'm going to call him a perceiver. And this is what this is. They do not compromise. That means they do not compromise. It's not an option. They have an intense hatred for evil. Do y'all know anybody? They hate evil, Period. They don't compromise. They, they call good, good. They call evil, evil. They just lay, this, is, this is just how it is. Some people may say this, oh, but I say, oh, no, that's just not right. 
It's just not right. And, and see, when I started going through these gifts, y'all, it reminded me of myself. You got to see yourself. When I'm going through this, you're going to know which motivational gift that you have the most. Because me and my husband was talking about it this week, and I always talk about it with my husband. I said, um, honey, what's wrong with me? He know I always asks him this. Something's seriously wrong with me. Because of the things that, how I do things, people don't perceive me rightly. And when you go in the word of God and you know your motivational gifts, you understand why people don't receive you rightly because when a person is wrong, I say they're wrong. Okay, who they are. I don't try to justify it. That is just wrong. Ain't no way around it. It is just wrong. <laughs> so a perceiver hates evil. They really hates evil. They don't even want to be putting up with evil because it's out of the will of God. So the next thing about a perceiver is sees everything is either black or white. It's either black or it's white. <laughs> Ain't no in between. Let me explain. They see things as right or wrong, appropriate or inappropriate, true or false. They do not see how there can be anything in between. They tend to answer yes or no. They seldomly say maybe. I'll ask my husband. Who do you see me as? As this teaching. My husband ain't following me. It's either right or wrong. It's either true or false. It's either yes or no. How do you see me, Sister Niece? Perceiver. If you ask me what I'm going to tell you, Willie. My husband told me one time, and I'm using this because I want y'all to understand how it is when you're working for the Lord. My husband said, he said, you need to leave Willie alone. That's what he told me. Did you not tell me that? He said, I feel sorry for Willie. I said, you can feel sorry for Willie all you want. I said, and I told Willie. I said, until Willie get where Willie need to be, I leave Willie alone. That what I told you, Willie? Every time Willie would ask me something, I would come back hard. Because I know what's in Willie. But that's what a perceiver does. It ain't no, it's, they come out and tell, if you ask them something, Boom, they're going to tell you. How many times you asked me, Sister Niece, did I tell you? I didn't hold back on her. Why? Because that's not who I am. You don't hold back on people you love. You tell them the truth. Just like if somebody said, how are you looking at? Not too good. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> Kathy, if you ask me, would I tell you the truth? Yeah, I sure would. I said, don't go out there like that today. <laughs> but I tell you the truth, honey. <laughs> He's laughing, but I tell him, you ain't walking beside me in that. <laughs> and you know what some people say? Don't you want to tone it down? Why? Why you want me to tone it down? I ain't you. That's just who I am. Now y'all ask my husband, what do you think he'll tell you? Huh? Look all right. He'll think on it a little bit, won't he? Well, see, you got to know your gift. You got to see when you, when y'all get through. When I get through with this teaching, some of you won't be taking offense no more, and you won't be talking about me so much. You understand who I am? <laughs> I don't do that. Well, you know, you no, I don't. You know what my kids tell me? You always say no. Well, that's the word, ain't it? No. <laughs> no, you are no person. And they say, since I've known you, you always say the same thing. No. <laughs> and I asked the Lord one day, I said, am I stuck on no? But this is, this is what a perceiver does. I'm helping y'all because some of y'all in this room, and I also know one, and y'all may know them too, and I just have to stick them out there. I'm just doing my hand like this. They know who I'm looking at. Kathy. 
Kathy hated by many people. Black is black and white is white. Ace is ace and a spade is spade. And when you start talking to her, you think she's mad at you. I say, Kathy, you're talking to me. But when it comes to the word, she get hot tempered. She start voicing it to the point of, I'm like, what's wrong with you? But that's people that really hate sin. You know it in their voice. It ain't that they hate you. <laughs> they, 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 they have a passion for it. They, they turn against it. It's just like, whoa. But when you know the gift that you carry, you don't back up. Now, wait a minute now. You do it in love. Some people can do, be downright hateful. I ain't going to lie to you. They can be downright hateful. That's not the way we do it. But when you understand these motivational gifts and what you have, you don't back down because somebody don't like you. You keep doing what you do because it's going to save someone. And see, a perceiver, what they're going to do is they hate sin so much, they're going to let a person know when they're doing wrong. We got many people in the body of Christ see somebody doing wrong and won't tell them. That's not God. Because if you love a person, you're going to tell them the wrong they're doing. You don't care who it is. You're going to say, no, no, that ain't right. That's not right. So this is why we're going over these gifts so you will know which motivational gift you are. And the more you know about your gift, you can operate in that gift more with confidence. And you can see the uh, faith that's coming through that gift because you know who you are. The next thing about a perceiver is easily perceives the character of individuals and groups. They easily perceive the character of individuals and groups. I'll give you an example. If you walk in a place and there's a group of people, I'll use me. We, at one time, Jennifer, remember, we had set up a group for intercessors. And they would meet. What night was it? I don't know what night it was, but I just felt in my spirit that I wasn't there. I say, I got to shut this down. Something ain't right. So when I went into the group, these intercessors was crying more for themselves than they was anybody else. They were prophesying up in there to each other and supposed to have been praying for other people's needs. So I had to shut it down because a perceiver will walk in a room and they can know what's in that room, whether it's of God or whether it's not of God. This is why when you know what your gift is, when you walk in the room, you're going to be able to tell, you're going to be able to perceive what's in that group or what's in that room, whether it's right or whether it's not right. You're going to know off the bat. Sure enough, the group that I set shut down and the person that was over that group, I ain't going to tell you what they do today. Jennifer know. But I ain't going to tell you what they do today. Well, I'll tell you what they do today because some of you don't know. They, they went from man to woman and they're woman. God showed it to me. See, this is what I'm saying. A perceiver will know what's in the midst of them. And then you have to be obedient to what God's saying. Give you another example. I had another group. I had a men's group going on. And God gave me a dream. And he was showing me the person that was over the men's group. So I had discussed it with somebody and I said, you know what? I'm not going to have that, that group no more. We're going to do Bible study all in one. They said, God ain't told you that. That's what they told me. I knew what God had told me. So I shut that group down. Shut that group down to find out that this man was doing a little bit of everything he's supposed to have been doing. See, this is why you have to stay in tone with the spirit to know what God is saying because every group don't mean they're about God's business. See, right now you got people in groups talking about what the church should be doing. Yeah, I know about it. Talking about what the church, they think what the church should be doing and how the church should be doing it. Don't y'all think God's going to show me that? Because he's going to shut it down. I can be home. And people can be in their little hoovering in their group. Say, well, let me ask you something. What do you think about this right here? How do you think this can be handled? And the person could be using the word telling you. But God is not going to leave me ignorant. He's going to show me what's going on. Darlene can be a witness. With accounting, Darlene, you know I'm not an accountant. But I get with Jennifer and Darlene, and the Lord has shown me 
what need to be done. How does he do, do that? Because when you're hearing him, you ain't looking at natural. You're looking at what he's saying because whatever gift God give you, y'all, and you have confidence in what God gave you, you ain't going to back down on what God is saying. He can make you a building. You ain't never built nothing in your life just like Noah. <laughs> he can tell you what can happen and you ain't never built it a day in your life. Y'all remember the bathroom in the foyer? God say, put that there. My husband and Jennifer was telling me they ain't going to work. They said it ain't big enough. I said, yes, it is. It's going to work. Y'all over that little house on the pair, you got a foyer, you got a bathroom to the side. See, God will show you things because he will give you the ability. He will give you the know-how, but you have to stay before him and you have to act upon what he's saying. And it'll always come together for the good. But the problem is when you don't know what gift you carry, we got a lot of servers in here that love serving people. We got a lot of givers in here but are scared to give because they think they're lack. That's because you're not allowing that gift that God put in you to be developed to try God more than you trying your finances, which ain't enough. So when you know the gift that you have, and all of us had these gifts growing up, but... Sister Denise growing up, she probably had the gift of serving, the gift of giving. That was just part of her. That was natural. But think about when she got saved and she got born again. Think about how phenomenal that gift is being used for the body of Christ. So that's why it's so easy for Sister Denise to get things from people because that is her gift. Everybody may not have that gift, but all of us supposed to be operating in giving and in serving. But it may not be as dominating as hers because that's what God gave her. So see, Sister Denise, let's say um, Quanta back there. I'm using her for an example. If Sister Denise have that gift and Quanta don't have that gift, Sister Denise can't look at Quanta to be equal to her. Can't. Because it ain't going to work. Quanta is going to give, but she ain't going to give like Sister Denise give. She may not serve like Sister Denise serve. Because that's what God has given Sister Denise, but that don't mean she don't supposed to help. So when you know these things, you don't get mad at people because this is what God has given them. But when you know their gift, you don't get in the way of the gift that God has given them. You there to help them with what they're doing. Not to get in the way of what they're doing. And that's why the body of Christ is so messed up because we want to do what everybody else is doing. But if God said that's not what you're supposed to do, don't get mad. Help out with it. The next thing about that person, when I said that they easily perceive the character of individuals and groups to see what they're about, you can look at Matthew 3, 7. This is John the Baptist. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, John had already recognized their character. He had already recognized what was in that group. So a perceiver, they're going to recognize the character of people. They're going to already know about what, that, what those people are about. Um, the next thing, they encourage repentance that produces good fruit. And that's Matthew 3.8 that was dealing with John the Baptist. And here go a big one. Has only a few or no close friendships. Have only a few or no close friendships. Y'all, I'm just going to say about the majority of my life, I had none. I think Renee knew me in school. I had none. I stayed to myself. I didn't bother nobody. And I was always wondering, why don't I have no friend? Why nobody don't want to be around me? And that the enemy made me feel like nobody really wanted to be around me. That's how the rejection and all this other stuff come because I thought nobody want to be around me, but God has set me aside for a purpose. So when God has set you aside for the purpose and you know the purpose he set you aside and you know these um, characteristics dealing with what God has set you aside for, then the enemy can't use this against you to make you think you one of the least. So these perceivers, they have few friends or no friends. Some of y'all in here may be still hunting friends. Got something to tell you, if you perceive it, they're going to get in your way. Because it's going to be harder for you to do what God is calling you to do with a friend that want to do what they want to do and they save. 
So sometimes I remember I have talked to many people, even Kathy, I say, you're going to walk alone, girl. Don't get used to having nobody in your life because they're going to come and go. Because some people can't take what you're saying. Some people don't know how to perceive you. Some people hate to see you coming. They can spot you on my, oh, God, here she come. Let me go. <laughs> this is uneven family. They don't want to see you coming. You walk up, they're like, oh, here she go. And you ain't said nothing. That's because of what you carry for God. Come on, when they saw Jesus coming, yes, people were running to Jesus because Jesus had something they needed. But y'all think about it. People were running from him too. So, Next thing is, is frank outspoken. That's a perceiver. They're very frank. They're outspoken. Grieves deeply over the sins of others. Is eager to see, see his own, I'll, I'll put it this way. A perceiver don't mind telling you the wrong that they do. They see themselves, they're wrong before they even see others. They're not ashamed to tell you, yeah, I've done some things wrong. They, they're not ashamed of that. They see themselves even before they see others. Next thing, desires to be obedient to God at all costs. A perceiver has their mind on being obedient to God no matter what it costs. Now, let's talk about Jesus dealing with what I have given you, these characteristics. When we look at Jesus in Matthew 21... 12 through 13, this is what Jesus done when they were in that temple and they were selling stuff and exchanging all of this stuff. What did Jesus do? He went through that temple. He overthrew those tables and he spoke his mind, didn't he? Because he hate evil. And he, when he was amongst it, when they were doing what they shouldn't do, Jesus was handling that stuff. And the next thing is Jesus always spoke truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So a perceiver is going to speak truth. They're going to tell you truth. And we know when you speak in truth, people are going to hate you because of the truth, because of the word that you're speaking. And then another one, um, John the Baptist, um, Matthew 14, 3 through verse 4. Y'all remember Herod, is it Herod, Herod? Herod, when he would begin to tell him, that he was wrong for being with his brother's wife. And he put him in prison because he was telling him the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. So a perceiver is going to tell you the truth outside of who you are and how you feel. So you're going to be able to recognize a perceiver. They're not going to back down. They hate evil. They're going to speak nothing but the truth. They're going to say what they mean and mean what they say. They're going to tell you when you're wrong and they ain't going to bite their tongue. They're not going to sit up there and let you do wrong and not say anything. And a perceiver should be the first one. If they got odd against their brother, they go to their brother. So you're going to know a perceiver. They're going to speak nothing but truth and they ain't going to back off the truth no matter how much they're hated. And we have six more, y'all. And out of those six more, I pray that we have some motivational gifts in the room. And I believe that we do. And when you know that you have that motivational gift, then you start having faith in what you have and you can operate it in it more. And you're not going to worry about what people think about you or how they perceive you. I think the problem with the body of Christ is some of us are worrying about losing friends. Oh, I, I don't want to get in no trouble with nobody. <laughs> Ain't about you no more. It's all about him. And if you're going to stand for him, you got to stand in what he believes. You got to stand in what's true, and his word is true. That's why he says, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is true. So I pray the what we have went over tonight helps you to understand some of these, um, well, one of these motivational gifts. And I'll probably go back over perceiver again because I left some things off with it because it was a lot that was going on with it. But I think I'm going to break it down again and bring it back again next week. And once I finish with these seven gifts, I'm going to some more. So when you know what we have and when you know the pattern of God, y'all, there's no excuse in this house. Everybody should be operating accordingly. We shouldn't be trying to get in people's way. 
We should be there to help one another because all of us are part of the body of Christ. It shouldn't be no isms and schisms in the body of Christ. If we have perceivers in this ministry, a perceiver, when they see somebody off, they should be willing to tell them that they're off, speaking truth in love and not worrying about what people say or what people think. Some people won't say nothing to people because they feel like if I say that, they're going to hate me the more. And know what your motivational gift is. Start having faith in what God has motivated you to do. And when you start doing that, y'all, we will blow up up in here. We won't have no problem. Think about all the givers that's in the house, all the service that's in the house, all the um, ones that, um, well, the ministry, the service, which is the deacons. If everybody do their part, y'all, there's nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen? Do we have any announcements? Is there any more announcements?